Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Good morning again. As you take your seats, I'm going to add one more prayer for you this morning, and that's to pray a blessing upon your households and your finances, if you'll receive it. God, I thank you that you are our provision and that you help us. Lord, it feels so strange in all the talk of inflation and what's going on and our money not going as far as it needs to. Right now, we set down our flag of trust. We say we trust you with our finances, God, with every aspect of it. And Lord, I pray that you would bless the households here, that there would be increase rather than decrease, and that they would understand it and know it. And would you give them special little gifts this week, even monetary gifts, God? That would just be so much fun, just to have something unexpected come in. So I pray for each family, each person that's represented here, that you would bring an increase in such a way that they would tangibly notice it. In Jesus' name, amen. I got a $25 unlooked for check from the, den, or from the eye doctor this morning, or not this morning, this week. So it's fun when you get like that little 25 you go, whoo, puts a little, you know, what do I want to spend that on? Brenda said, put it in the bank. I said, no, I need the cash. Don't you like to have cash, just a little bit in your pocket? Just, you know, if you have too much, you'll spend it. But it's just the idea of having it there. It just makes you feel uh, wonderful. So, well, I got a couple of things I got to take. First of all, you guys know that I like British television, so I keep BritBox on those, whatever all those apps are, and I watch British TV. And I had some things that touched me this week, and then I also watched Netflix and watched the latest season of Dairy Girls. And I I know you would would probably need to put on subtitles to understand it, uh, but having lived there, I sort of live without it. And I got to give you a warning, it's, they cuss like sailors on there. Uh, And it's really, but it was so much fun. And then it was very nostalgic for me because it ends at a season where I started going to, to Northern Ireland. And so it was just like, oh my gosh. But here's the thing. Here was the theme with it. Getting free from the past that haunts you and going forward. The looking forward over the things in our life. And then I watched another detective. It's a new series. and The name's escaping me this morning. But it was uh, about England in... Uh, in Nottingham, Nottinghamshire, and uh, a murder that occurs there, but it was tied to events that had happened 30 years prior to that, and it kind of unfolds. So, like, British cop programs are so different than American cop programs, and American cop programs are all about weapons and uh, shooting somebody or hurting somebody. Brit cop programs are much different. They're very cerebral. They give you all the stuff of like, this caused this, that caused this, that caused this. And the theme was the same about getting free from things that occurred in the past so that you can go into the future unhindered. And I thought, huh, that. And and then I had a book recommended to me 
that uh, I'm going to forget the author. It's a woman. Uh, she's very famous. Um, but it's called uh, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. I want to, I'm only like on chapter four and I already want to recommend it to people. And, uh, you know, you can always throw books at people when they're going through stuff. But it's just been really good for me of getting, getting my idea of my future uh, not hindered by the past. I think it hinders so many of us, even as believers. And we say, we do the right thing. When we even I don't think it's really spiritualizing, but it's that uh, t- trying to forget what happened and move forward. And yeah, I forgive them. And we put on the mask of forgiveness. And we say all the right words. And in our heart of hearts, we're going, ouch. That still hurt. Ouch. You know, and then I got asked a couple questions uh, regarding myself and my past this past week and it just made me think back through it and you guys know I had a rugged childhood and all that I don't want to be hindered by anything from the past I don't want to that's where it starts I don't want to be hindered by those things God sees that in our hearts and wants to help us God has no interest in us being stuck in the past. Have you noticed that? He always gives us stuff to move forward and to get through it. And even some of the songs that we were singing, and not just including the emotionalism of knowing you're free, but I I just want to make a statement as we begin these uh, returning to this teaching this morning. God is of great interest in helping you move forward. And he does that through freedom. Freedom isn't pretending. Freedom is understanding what Christ did to help you be free. He said, he who's free is free indeed. So I want to pray that for us. I've been doing a lot of praying this morning. I want to pray that for us just as we start on an issue from 2 Peter this morning. And you've probably done it a thousand times. I've done it a thousand million quadrillion times of letting go of that one thing. But... Before I pray, think on that one thing right now. Just shut your eyes. Do a spiritual exercise. It always comes back and hinders you. If there's anything, maybe for some of you, you're so free that it doesn't anymore. But just shut your eyes and think on that one thing that seems to be a hindrance that always comes up and gets in the way. Lord, we hold this history before you. Remind our hearts this morning that it's in the past. In you, we let go. In you, we give it over again. In you, there's freedom. In you, there is help. A song we sang, in you, there is hope. Our past cannot bind us. Jesus is our freedom. It cannot hold us back. And though we've said it a hundred times, I forgive them, Lord. Right now, I just forgive them in my heart again. Not as a magic statement, as a trust statement in who you are. You are the king of forgiveness. 
and you are the healer of our hearts and our future. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's baseball playoff time, so I get to watch a, the end of one of the games. Anybody see that Tennessee college game yesterday with Alabama? Alabama got beat. Hope you're not from Alabama. <laughs> After 15 years, man, Tennessee finally did it. The place erupted. It was a madhouse. I, I hadn't watched the whole game, just the last couple of minutes and, and got to see it. And I just, uh, I don't know. I like sports. And it was good. We are at the place in Second Peter of adding self-control. Now remember, we use this whole passage at the beginning of Peter to talk about how God's economy works in our life. Verse 1 says that grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then a couple of verses later, which we're looking at, he says, add these things. Add these things to your faith. So there's things that we can actually do that help God mature us. It takes God to become a mature believer and that when we add, he multiplies. It's an amazing concept. His economy is real different than us. Uh, have you noticed that when you're adding to your savings account, it doesn't multiply very good today? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but God's not like that. Aren't you glad God's not miserly? God is abundant. He's filled with abundance towards you, whether it's getting through something or whether it's receiving something. God brings a multiplying effect of his economy in our life. He emotes goodness. He emotes kindness. He emotes these things. And when he sees us, even in the feeblest attempt of the, of the human heart, when he sees us approach and go, God, I need you today. You know, or if it's the, the Psalm 12 prayer, help, Lord. He hears that help and he answers it. And he doesn't see the weakness. He sees the one reaching out and saying, help me, God. I love that about him. So in 2 Peter 1, it says this, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. We looked at what virtue was in it being valor. To virtue, knowledge. And that knowledge isn't knowing something. It's the wisdom of God coming into our lives. And then he says this, to knowledge, to the wisdom of God being given to us, add self-control. Now, when I say self-control, what do you think of? Anybody? Oh, you get yourself under control. Huh? Ah, not doing what we want to do. To take you back to your childhood? Anybody grow up in church? You go to you were a little kid. Do you remember them saying, "Now control yourself." Uh, when you were being too whatever. The, this idea of self-control, I think for most of us, we think in terms of our fleshly will. Making yourself do or be something that you don't want to be. Well, that meaning 
and that approach uh, to this <laughs> doesn't work very well. How did self-control work for you? How does it work at the refrigerator? Oh. How does it work when it's another issue? Whatever the issues are. Uh, do you know that this word actually has more to do with the spirit than it does with your willpower? And when it says self, it's not speaking about your flesh. It's not speaking about you being able to control something to add for you to add self-control we'll get it I want to look at some of the qualities about it so we can under actually understand that and then understanding what the scripture says because this ask actually looks like it's in uh, in very much disagreement with the things that Paul taught and we'll we'll look at it and see why it's not it's actually the same word so self right here, when we say self-control, does not mean through your flesh. It means your true identity when it's speaking about the self. It means who you really are, the true self, the true person that God made you to be. It doesn't mean by some power that you muster up in your flesh through your will. To make yourself, is what Mike was saying, to make yourself do something you don't want to do or not do something you do want to do. Your flesh power will never in and of itself produce the control or mastery of your lifestyle or choices. You can do it once or twice and you think you're doing pretty good and then the third time that the whatever comes up, the thought or the idea or the thing and you just go <laughs> and then you get worn out with it you just go <clears throat> the blank with it right and you just give in um, I heard this more than once be because of the person who said it to me but the works of the flesh cannot produce the fruit of the spirit it can't happen the word that is translated actually in the English self-control is a word that we already looked at under virtue. It's the word temperance, meaning one of the four cardinal virtues, to be temperate. Uh, unfortunately, it's one of those words like we already learned. It's changed its meanings through the years and it has more to do with not abstaining from alcohol. And that's not what it meant. It meant to be able to set boundaries which says this and no further, so that you stay within that, staying within that fast lane. So self-control is like this. Have you ever seen people, and maybe this doesn't bug you, this bugs me, I'm driving down the freeway and somebody who's driving 55 gets in the fast lane? <laughs> and I have to exhibit self-control as to what I want to say and do with my car as I'm trying to get around them? That's the idea of self-control. The idea of self-control is really this. Stay in your lane, bro. Yes. Stay in your lane. If you notice how cars are kind of, and now they have cars that automatically, I have a friend who has his truck set for that, keeps beeping every time you get outside the lines. 
You see, he really can't exhibit much self-control when he drives. <laughs> He's got to have an additional Holy Spirit noise in his vehicle to keep him from going outside the lines. Stay in your lane, bro. That's what self-control means. Stay in your lane. It means maturing also. Maturing is a slow process, isn't it? Man, change is hard. I used to have this saying when I taught uh, discipleship classes with the Master's Commission program that change is slow and change is hard. And I even said back then when I didn't understand it, but if you cooperate with God's grace, change is possible. Change is the matter of maturing. It's the, it's the growing up. And to embrace self-control as a character quality, what we're actually doing has nothing to do with the self. It's positioning ourselves to put on the new self. That word self doesn't mean flesh. It means identity. And it's tied with the idea of I'm temperate in all things. We are asking God to help us actually be a certain kind of person. And when we exercise the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, that's exactly what happens. God, st You start maturing to be a certain kind of person, and it just happens, and it's not like, oh, man, I changed so much this past year. It's this slow process that goes, huh, I'm approaching, I see things differently now. That has a lot to do with maturity. Do you see things differently now than you did a couple of years ago? Matter of fact, for me, I don't know where you guys are at, for what God's done with me in the past 10 years, the guy of 20 years ago would have looked at this guy and called him a heretic. Over the things that I've grown to believe about God and myself. Now, distinction here is really important when we're using the word self-control. Because if we think of this word as only controlling our actions outside of our relationship with God, then we have simply embraced another type of legalism for our life. When we're saying, I'm going to exercise self-control, outside of that self being in relationship with God, which it actually, that's what it means. It means the new self. Then I'm just trading it for something. I was really good at that. I was really good at calling legalism walking in the spirit when actually I was just trying to stop doing something or start doing something else. And what I really needed at the time was that beeper that told me, stay in your lane, bro. I needed that beeper. We might think that provided, and this is something that C.S. Lewis wrote, we might think that provided you did the right thing, it did not matter or how or why you did it or whether you did it willingly or unwillingly. It was the only issue of that was the right thing to do. Sulkingly or cheerfully, through fear of public opinion or for its own sake. But the truth is that right actions done for the wrong reason do not help to build the internal quality or character that we would call self-control doesn't really do it. And it's that quality or character that really matters because that's the believer maturing. 
our relationship to God is what matures us, not how good we get at doing or not doing something. That's what matures us. Um, C.S. Lewis used this example of a tennis player. He said, if a bad tennis player hits the ball very hard, not because he sees that a very hard stroke is required, but because he has lost his temper, his stroke might possibly by luck help him to win that particular game, but it will not help him to become a reliable player. There's the difference. So when you look at the self, which is the true person that God made you to be, and then you add the word control. Now, if I say control, that's another really weird word. Um, It gets very misconstrued. The better word here is actually the word governed or government. Um, Instead of being tied to our will, it's actually a word that ties us to being in Christ. He has become our government, and of his government there is no end, the prophet Isaiah told us. When he comes, he will allow you to be self-governed. I'm under the rule of another. This really is a submission issue. Are you submitted? Now, a lot of people talk about this. They say, is Jesus your Lord? Well, I'm submitted to live my life in God. And if by that you mean that he is the one who tells and speaks to my true self as to how to behave, yes. If that's what you mean by that. If you mean some religious term that I'm not hot or spiritual enough serving, is he serving the Lord with gladness? Do you remember that that term? Man, I am in Christ this day. You are in Christ this day. If that is what is meant by serving the Lord with gladness, then let there be a resounding yes as a crown over my head. Yes, yes, yes. Are you in the Spirit? Hmm. Because the word control and it being tied to in Christ is how can I know that I'm actually in Christ? How can I know that's occurred and how can I know that it's going to help me grow? Well, it's really because it's the word that Paul used describing what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is in our lives. That's how we know it's not a matter of mind and will. Look at this. This is one we used to see on the refrigerators, uh, but it didn't seem to work, so we took it down. (laughs) Because we thought we had to generate the fruit of the Spirit, when actually the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. There pops up that strange word again. Self-control, it's the same word in the Greek that means temperance. Against such there is no law. I stay in my lane not because I'm supposed to. I stay in my lane because I'm in a relationship with God. And those who are Christ, now 
This is, I always thought I had to crucify my own flesh. Not really looking at what the sentence says. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Do you know that you're not self or flesh controlled? If you use the word self there. I'm not. Matter of fact, God doesn't want me to be. It's pretty amazing. When I received Jesus, that was crucified. I have, not, not future tense, not going to, not must do this on a daily basis. I have. Have you ever really thought about how to crucify yourself? It doesn't work, does it? I've used this example so many times. There's the cross. You climb up on it. Bam, bam, bam. How do you get the other one in? No. What God did and then gave it to me as a gift crucified my flesh. It's Romans 6. He died, I died. He was buried. I was buried. He rose from the dead. I rose from the dead. What's true of him is true of me. I received him. This isn't something I have to do. This is something I received that he did on my behalf. And now I get to live in that kind of self. It's the new self, the new man. So then he says this, if we live in the spirit, and this if isn't one, it's another one of those. We turned it into a conditional if. This if means when. <laughs> if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Have you ever tried to, in, the, in your past, or maybe you're trying to do it now, by your willpower to walk in the Spirit? Most of us that spend our time doing that don't, don't know what walking in the Spirit is. Or trying to be very charismatic. And I won't go into that because that makes me kind of an antagonist this morning. But it doesn't have anything to do with the things that we said that it did or that we were taught it did. This ha has to do is if I am born again and I have received the spirit of Christ, I am walking in the spirit. Not trying to figure it out. As a matter of fact, not only staying in my lane, but he's given me a new highway. He's given me a different way. A new way of walking. A new way of understanding. He wants me to grow in it and mature in it. Being self-governed is not about willpower. It's about walking in relationship to God because that's what walking in the Spirit means. Walking in the Spirit is going, oh, this is a song we sang, Jesus is my friend. Jesus is with me at all times. Jesus is going ahead of me. He's behind me. He's beside me. He's in front of me. He's above me. He's below me. Best of all, He's in me at all times. Do not ever receive a teaching again that tells you the Holy Spirit lifts on you, lifts off of you when you have done something wrong. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell that's wound about with religion over our thoughts and deeds. 
God doesn't leave you. That's why when you do something wrong, it doesn't feel good. I feel, if you do something wrong, you should feel guilty. But here's where the guilt should take you. Wait a minute, that's not who I am. That's, That's not who I am. I'm a much different person than that. And I can immediately, immediately, there's nothing in the way to go to God. He's right there with you. On your worst day, in the worst circumstances, when you not only went out of the lane, but you actually drove off the road and went in the wild. He says, no. And he'll help steer us back. Does that mean there aren't any consequences? I didn't say that. You know, sin has consequences. Sin hurts people. Can you hurt God with your sin? Yes, but he took it to the cross. It's already done. I can go there and go, oh, you died for this. Don't mortgage your future in God with what you did today. Your future in God cannot be mortgaged. You're mortgage-free. This house is paid off. (laughs) It's paid for. The bank doesn't own it. God owns it. How do we know? Now, I had to write this real small to get it all in there. So sorry about that. So those of you who are a bit aged, oh, I saw the funniest meme. Funniest meme about old people. So I'm old so I can make fun of myself. So it showed a cornfield that had been picked and it had one single stalk of corn still standing up. There was a sign beside it that said corn maze for old people. let the reader understand so this is small but listen to this because this is how we know we're in the spirit this is also how we know we're walking in the spirit for those who you actually ought to start it from Romans 1 but I didn't have enough space (laughs) for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So this is what I tell you. When you try to use the word self-control as meaning you not doing something, guess what you're doing? You're thinking in fleshly terms. And it's at war with God. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God nor can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So that means that the person who's born again and is in the flesh is not pleasing God? I don't think so. Keep reading. But you... Notice there's a funny little word that I like real well in understanding New Covenant theology. That wonderful word, but. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. You don't have to be ruled by the flesh. Because the Spirit of God's in you. You're a changed being. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's not his. And if Christ is in you, the body's dead because of sin. It should say the flesh is dead. 
because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh. Doing it in willpower says you're a debtor to the flesh. You're actually lying against what God's done when you do that. Oh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, what? These are the sons of God. So the issue of self-governance is who I am, not what I'm doing. Are you following me? It changes the game of what we've been taught, how to taught to play it. It's about my relationship with God, not about how much willpower I exert. When you're getting the idea of doing something that you don't want to do, and you're like, wait a minute, I'm out of control here. Do you know what to do? Start going and praying about your relationship with Jesus. God, you're in me. Start declaring truth over yourself. You've made me to be the righteousness of Christ in the earth. You've caused me to be a holy person. You've given me the ability to understand and know your spirit. And I submit to that spirit right now. Now I'm calling upon my new identity. Way different than me trying to kill the old identity, which it says in Romans has already been killed. It changes the game. It really is a game changer. It changes the way I approach it and get the papers unstuck. So then the question comes up, okay, then how do I do it? There's a magic trick, right? No. How do I add self-control to my knowledge and wisdom of God? The answer is something much more than making yourself obey or working on your actions or deeds. If you do that, eh, it, it won't produce the fruit of the Spirit. The way you react to things outside of your control is by putting on Christ, the new man. Is this just a word game that you're playing? No, it's right there in Scripture. Look at this. Romans 13. Let us walk... Properly, that, that word actually means intemperance, same word. As in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. When I put on Christ, I'm not worried about other things. I'm engaging in my relationship with God. Galatians 3 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good news? My, my faith in Christ Jesus makes me a son of God. I can approach life really different. For as many as you were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. That's not something I have to get every day. 
I've put it on. I'm, I'm the new person. I really did about, now I'm maturing in this, but about 12 years ago, I quit disliking me. Because I fell in love with the idea that Christ not only saves me, but he keeps me and that I'm his. And that it's not dependent on how I try to stay in my lane, but it's dependent upon the one who put me on the highway. I'm there and I'm his. Ephesians 4 says this way, be renewed where? In the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. If you find yourself getting outside of the lane, remind your mind of who you are. Instead of battling yourself under self-control, when something is pulling on you and it's something that's hurting you and other people, it's sinful and it's destroying your life, run into the arms of Jesus and start declaring, memorize these. Let the word harness in your heart so that you understand who you are. Because all the enemy doing is tricking you into being something you're not. And telling you, well, you will never change or grow. You're bound to it. I am not bound to it. I was released from it. I am a new person. Colossians 3. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. Look at what they are. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. Fill the language out of your mouth. And don't lie to one another about them. Since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Wait a minute. Those sound like... I put those off? Yeah. Those aren't, those aren't my descriptors anymore. I don't belong to that description. That's, that description went with my flesh. And my flesh died. And I have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of created, who created him. I can get up in the morning and look in the mirror and go, you're getting a little older, buddy, but you sure look good. You're walking in Christ this day. You're in the Spirit. Um, I'm not waiting for something to happen. It happened. I'm not waiting for Christian magic to occur. True spirituality occurred and Jesus came in. When I put my dependence in those prayers, everything changes. Okay. You don't have to try to walk in the Spirit. You are in the Spirit. Change your prayer from help me to walk in the Spirit to help me recognize I'm in the Spirit this day. See what happens. You've now moved it out of the realm of self, flesh, into the realm of dependence in your, in your nature with God. I don't have a wrong nature anymore. I have a new nature. I am Lloyd, wonderfully saved. I'm changed. I think godly thoughts all the time. I'm not bound by wickedness. I'm brand new. I'm really likable. Matter of fact, God likes me so much, he comes and he made his home with me. Whoa. God likes me that much? 
made his home with you. He dwells with you. He dwells in you. Stunning, isn't it? I think it is. Changed the game for me because I changed the language of what that I had always been thought that it was for actually what the word says. And it's been a deep, deep, deep change in my life. And it brought within me the ability to walk in integrity, which means wholeness. To walk in wholeness. He who walks, Proverbs 10.9 says, with integrity walks securely. But he who perverts his ways become known. You find out. The righteous man walks in his integrity, Proverbs 20 says. His children are blessed after him. You want your kids to be blessed? Anybody want their kids to be blessed? Then do this. Walk in your true self. Acknowledge it every day. And that becomes a pattern, a form of life that changes everything. Titus 2 said, likewise, exhort the young men to be so. So if any of you think you're young, I'm exhorting you this morning. Be sober-minded. That, that means to, come on, don't play around with this. Don't be goofy with this. Don't make something it's not. And don't trade your diamonds for a pocket full of rocks. It's not worth it. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. Does that mean I make myself be good? No, it means I let you see me. I let you see me. And if I'm struggling, I can say to you, man, I'm struggling today, but I know the Lord is with me. And it means something. Keeps me in my lane. Walking in integrity means to stay in my lane and not get outside of it. It means I'm exercising self-governance. That means the Holy Spirit's leading me. I'm walking in the Spirit. My gosh, it wasn't magical after all. I want to close with this. There are lots of things being written today about self-care. Taking time out, uh, doing this. I'm not against them, by the way. I'm just, I'm just reflecting what society is saying. And I saw this because it so ties in to what this teaching is. True self-care is not soft baths and chocolate cake. Though I like chocolate cake. Soft bath, nah, not so much. Waters for fishing and drinking. It is making the choice to build a life you don't need to regularly escape from. Oh, I don't have to go to Florida. I don't have to go. I'm not putting that down. If you want to go to Florida, I don't care. It's a good state. It's governed really well. I don't need escapism. Why? Because I'm not walking after the flesh. I'm walking in the spirit. My home is Christ. And where I am, my home is. You see, I can be stuck in a hospital bed and it doesn't change who I am. My home is in Christ. And that exercise of my self-control agreeing with what the Word says changes everything. It changes the way I approach it. You don't need an escape. You need an infusion. 
I say that to you again? Not, not as a condemnation. You really don't need an escape. You need an infusion of the reality of what this is. How do I get it then? Ask. That's how you do. Would God withhold this from you when he said do that this way? No. That would pervert God, and that's what a lot of people do. They pervert his ways. So let's ask this morning. I don't know what you're going to ask for personally. I'll say a general prayer, and then you ask him this morning for the help where it's needed. God, I thank you that I don't have to do self-care because you took care of myself. I don't have to do something to be okay with you. You did something so I'd be okay with you. I don't have to depend on a change of circumstances. You were my change of circumstances. I don't have to try to get better. You made me better. I stand here today as your righteousness. I stand here today not trying to find your will. I am your will. I'm yours and you're mine. Help me to see this stuff differently. And for, for my sake, would you help me to see myself differently? Open the eyes of my understanding that I would see myself as you see me. And let me roll in the deep of that. Let me receive it. Let me just relish in what you've done. That it would change my thoughts and my patterns in my daily life. I live in you, Jesus. I live in you. I refuse to find life in anything else. I live in you. In you I live and move and have my being. You came to give this to me as a gift. Thank you for such a great salvation that I don't have to be bound by the past or bound by the flesh or bound by anything. I am a free person making a free choice this day. I belong to Christ and so I wrap myself in Him. I am in Christ and no one and nothing can steal it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.